the best health advice is to listen to your body. And do not get panicked when symptoms appear. Because when you get panicked, it would be a rabbit hole. And you never get out of it. Welcome and welcome back to the Digest This Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Ugardi. And today is such a treat because I have on the show my holistic doctor who I've shared countless times on my Instagram. He's not only helped me personally with my own health journey, but I know he was sent by God to save my life in multiple situations. He helped me when no one else thought they could. And he's where I've gained so much knowledge myself and where I can really contribute, you know, what I've learned from him. And he's here today to pass on some knowledge to you. Dr. Mohammed Nika has treated everyone from cancer patients to COVID patients to newborn babies to the elderly. In our conversation today, we address several questions that you asked on my Instagram. Topics such as Lyme disease, IBS, ulcers, hormones, periods, and lack of, ways to detox from mold and parasites, plus so much more. This is an episode you do not want to miss. Dr. Mohammed will be retiring very soon. So to have him on the show and share with me and everyone listening is such a treasure to have before he moves away and enjoys his later years with his family. So let's get right into it. Today's bite of knowledge, we are uh, talking about the five foods higher in potassium than a banana. And first of all, I want to talk about potassium and what is it, uh, what does it do for the body, how important it is in our body function. Me personally, I experienced actually a pretty low, low potassium season in my life, and that's why I actually am super passionate about potassium. Well, what is it? When you think of potassium-rich foods, obviously bananas do come to mind. They, you know, for years, doctors have been, eat a banana for potassium, but there's more to it than that, obviously. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about the electrolytes that you need because potassium is a part of the electrolyte, I want to say, cocktail. I guess you could say. So what is potassium though? So it's an essential mineral and we need to take it in uh, every single day. And we take it in through our diet mostly. It's crucial for a number of different functions, including muscle contractions, nerves, which is why I, yeah, I was having nerve issues. So nerve transmission, kidney function, pH balance, uh, digestion. So that's another huge thing. Um, even blood pressure regulation. So what is the daily, what, what should we be taking? How much per day? So for a healthy average adult, it's recommended that you take 4,700 milligrams of potassium per day. Woo. It's a lot. So Let's see, five foods higher in potassium than a banana. Potatoes, white potatoes, not sweet potatoes, but like not russet potatoes either. These are the, 
neither new white potatoes or like the little tiny baby potatoes that you see, right? First of all, those are easier to digest than a russet potato. So you should always, you should be grabbing those regardless over russet. So white potatoes, the mini potatoes, red potatoes are good too, the little red potatoes. That's the number one food that I would call out are the potatoes. They have 40% more potassium than you'll find in a banana. So if you're wondering, banana only contains about 422 milligrams or 9% of your daily value. For the same amount, you get 610 milligrams of potassium in one medium-sized potato. Just a medium little-sized potato. That's about, I want to say 100 calories of potato gives you 610 milligrams of potassium. That's about 17% of your daily value which is crazy. So it also provides five grams of fiber. So a medium potato provides five grams of fiber, um, four grams of protein, even vitamin C and magnesium. Bananas only contain 3.1 grams of fiber and only 1.3 grams of protein. And they're much higher in sugar than uh, white potatoes. And regarding carbs, if you're worried about carbs, let me tell you, um, they have eh, about the same amount of carbs, give or take. So your potatoes, I think a lot of people are, uh, I don't know, quote unquote, afraid to eat a potato because they say it has no nutritional value. Hey, a lot less sugar, higher in protein, higher in fiber, and obviously the potassium content is outrageous. So don't be afraid of those white potatoes. Get them in. All right, number two, watermelon. Uh, watermelon contain quite a lot of potassium as well. They contain about 640 milligrams of potassium in just two wedges. So, I mean, that's about one-eighth of a melon, depending on how big your watermelon is. And so you don't need a lot of watermelon to get the potassium you need for your day. They're also a great source of vitamin C, vitamin A. It contains the antioxidant lycopene, which is the same antioxidant you would get from a tomato. So watermelon, it's coming up summer. Definitely just grab a wedge or two and get your potassium intake. Number three, spinach. Uh, now, like all, a lot of leafy greens, uh, spinach is very nutrient dense because it's obviously darker in color. You don't want to be eating like iceberg lettuce, which is not good for digestion anyways. But spinach in particular um, has a very good amount of potassium. It contains about 558 milligrams in one cup of cooked spinach. And if you've ever cooked spinach, you know how quickly it cooks down. So um, that's about a three cup serving of fresh spinach or one cup of cooked. Again, 558 milligrams, far higher than a banana. That's a little over 25% more than the potassium in a banana. Obviously, spinach is great for uh, vitamin A, antioxidants, vitamin C, good source of fiber, and you should always be getting a variety of colorful fruits and vegetables in your diet. All right, number four, beets. Now, before you go hating on beets, you know, I love beets. I think they taste sweet. I love them. Um, they're great in salads. They're great with chocolate. I have great recipes on my blog using beets for fudge and cake, but it contains about 518 milligrams of potassium. It's good. It's a good dose of folate and fiber. 
obviously antioxidants, the darker and more vibrant the color, the greater antioxidant content it has. So beets are obviously super deep and rich and you don't need a lot, you know, of, of beets if you really don't like them. You, you can do vinegar if you're on the savory side, you can pickle them. Again, just grate a little bit, put them in your smoothie and don't be afraid if after you eat beets, you see a little red in the toilet. Um, very, very normal, very common. Don't be alarmed. <laughs> Number five, avocados. Who doesn't love avocados, right? In fact, actually there was someone on my Instagram and they were like, I hate avocados. Like, why are you using them? And I was, I was a little offended, but you know, I, I rubbed it off and I kept going, going on with my day. Uh, why you gotta be hating on avocados? They're also great, very high in potassium. One half of an avocado provides about 487 milligrams of potassium, obviously healthy fats, good source of fiber, and it actually contains even a little bit of protein. And if you are unsure of how to eat an avocado or how to incorporate them in your diet, first of all, grab a spoon and dig in, okay? A little salt, a little lemon, that is the best way. They're delicious. But if you want to get a little bit more creative, I have other recipes on my blog, obviously guacamole, but um, a little, if you're kind of, I don't know, if you're tired of guacamole or the, the average... Uh, recipe for them, you can always go to my blog and, um, great. Hey, you know what? I just thought of this. What about white potato fries, air fried with avocado guacamole dip? That's like a double potassium power meal right there. Okay. So go at it again. I know this is like a common vegan meal, potatoes and avocados. Y'all I'm not vegan, but I can definitely eat a good vegan meal. So there you have it. Those are the top five. But here's a few other fruits and vegetables that are also pretty moderate to high um, potassium content. So I already mentioned all avocados, dried apricots. Be careful when eating dried fruit, though, for IBS. They can constipate you, so make sure you drink a lot of water. Pomegranates, raisins, those are also great sources of potassium. Butternut squash, y'all know, butternut fudge, go get at it. Um, mushrooms, sweet potatoes, even though they don't contain as much potassium as the white potatoes, they still do contain a good amount. And tomatoes, Swiss chard, Swiss chard. Make sure you cook down your Swiss chard though to have the, the best absorption and obviously be a little less gassy when you eat those. Seeds, legumes are also a good source if you choose the right ones. Lentils, flax seeds, black beans, almonds, um, even edamame. I'm not huge on edamame because it is soy, but um, if you get organic non-GMO edamame in its natural form, I think that's okay um, here and there. So yeah, also a great source of protein. If you do want a little bit of some inspiration, you can make my beet burger with portobello mushroom buns. That's a double whammy of potassium also. So um, just type in, if you go to my blog, there's a search bar, you can type in beets and all the beet recipes will come up. You can type in um, potatoes or fries and all. I have a great chili 
fry recipe. I have a, oh, I have a mac and cheese recipe and it is made with butternut squash, the butternut squash mac and cheese. It is creamy, cheesy, and it's dairy-free obviously too. So it's a, it's a win-win, win-win-win. So if you haven't checked your potassium levels or if you're having any nerve issues, so uh, if you do follow me on Instagram, I was having some nerve issues and things were tingling. And once I upped my potassium, it really helped with the nerve transmission. Anyone that's experienced nerve pain knows what I'm talking about. Um, but again, digestion, muscle contractions, kidney function, potassium, potassium, potassium. So um, just be cognizant of that. And that is today's Bite of Knowledge. Thanks so much for joining today's podcast. This is a very special one because I have my holistic doctor, Mohammed Nikha. Did I pronounce that? Close enough. Nikha. <laughs> and um, he is joining me and it's just such a pleasure. And he is the busiest man I know. And he's taken some time out of his day to come here and share um, some of his wisdom with you all. And so thank you so much, Mohammed, for being on the show. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Go ahead, introduce yourselves, tell people who you are. My name is Dr. Mohammed Nikha. And I'm a holistic doctor. I deal with uh, proper eating, habit, exercise, herbology, energy work, things like that. And today, I take it that we're going to discuss a lot of little uh, questions that people have. But I just want to uh, say this because I don't know you personally. And I don't, a question will not give me enough uh, to make any kind of a uh, diagnosis or a treatment protocol. Everything that I will say here today is for information only. And you need to uh, take that and verify it through your own sources also. You're welcome to do that. And that's it. Mm -hmm. uh, hopefully, I'd be a little bit of uh, hope to everybody. Also, I mean, you have worked with kings and princes from all over the world and movie stars. And you know, just <laughs> well, they're all human. So it doesn't matter it's a, if you work with a king or you work with someone who is uh, homeless. They're all human. They all have the same uh, needs, the same uh you have to treat everybody the same. So it really doesn't matter who you work with. It matters how much you care for people. And that's something I love about you as you have time and time again shown shown that in the way you live your life and who you care for. And me personally, I've known you for more than half my life now. And you have saved me countless times. And you truly have been such a blessing in my life. And um, I just want to hopefully share that with everyone here today. Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure. All right. So uh, on Instagram, I had actually submitted um, something for everyone. You didn't know you would he was going to be on the show, but you were actually submitting some questions for him on the show. And this was... Um, 
a few weeks ago. So anyways, I did want to get to some questions uh, and we're just going to go just right on through. Uh, first of all, I had a lot of people ask about how do you find a holistic doctor? Well, uh, a holistic doctor, if you uh, find a holistic doctor that is sitting there and says, I'm a holistic doctor and I'm going to sell you bottles of pills, that's not a holistic doctor, that's a businessman. A holistic doctor would tell you how to eat and mainly how to get nutrition from what is available naturally, not in a bottle, not in a box. If anyone trying to sell you things, they're not a holistic doctor. Yes, uh, there are sometimes, there's some supplements that you need and they will do that, but not off the bat. Off the bat, the holistic doctor have to evaluate you, listen to you, and explain to you what is happening with you. That's the most important thing. Explain to you to the point that you understand, talk your language, mm -hmm. and tell you what's wrong with you. And then what they plan to do, how they plan to go about it. Right. Like it's a huge sign when they say, no, only take my supplements. Those other people's supplements aren't good or, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, you've, you've always done that. You've just been amazing. So some question asked, um, advice on how to help with lingering COVID symptoms. Well, there are uh, a lot of problems with, uh, people that they had COVID and they afterward they had all kind of a, uh, aches and pains and uh, maybe brain fog and things like that. Uh, I have been fan of uh, pine needle tea. And pine I, needle tea? Yes. I used to, you know, those, those pine trees that they have a, a pine cone on it, and long needles, those are the ones that uh, ever since my, uh, I was in beginning of my high school, every time I was going to go take an exam, I take a bunch of pine needles to chew it and spit it out. And then I could remember everything that I read and things like that. It will help with your memory. And also it's been proven that it will help with free radicals and chemicals that is left behind through different diseases and cleans your body. Pine. I'm. I'm. I'm writing this down myself. Can you? Can you find it on like Amazon or? Oh, you can or? find it on Amazon. It's it, right now. If you put pine, uh, pine needle tea, you you'll find a ton of things. And they 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 have red pine and this pine and that pine. Everybody has a different thing. But I find out that uh, the, I don't know the name of it. I think it's Carolina pine. I, the the original Christmas tree. Okay. You know, <laughs> the one that it had pine cone and long needles and that. That is the best. And the best one, best part of it is very young leaves. Okay. So young pine needle Christmas tree <laughs> tea. Original Christmas original. tree. You got a lot of Christmas tree right, right now. Okay. They put spruce and this and that. No, it's just a legal, your regular pine, uh, that it has the pine cone and they get pine nuts out of it. That is the one that you, you want to use. That's the most potent one. Okay. All right. Awesome. Thank you. 
Um, we actually had a, quite a few questions about um, detoxing from mold and heavy metals. What is the best way to go about that? Okay. Mold and heavy metals are two different things. Mold usually affects your lungs. That's the most, most part of it because it's an airborne and you breathe it in, the spores goes in your lung and what it needs to do is it, it is a, it's a moist environment so they, they do have a place to germinate and multiply. So when you uh, have things in your lungs, uh, there are uh, natural things that they can uh, help to de detoxify lung. And uh, the herbs that they really come to mind and hope very helpful are anise seed, uh, thyme, and basil. These are traditionally used for clearing the lung. And there are, uh, I, I have made certain teas for my patients to uh, do sort of like a humidifier and they use that to detoxify the lung. But uh, in uh, if you have a problem with mold, you need to be in somewhere that it is a little bit more dry than moisture, so reduce the moisture. And also then uh, for heavy metals, the best thing to me is cilantro. Cilantro. Cilantro juice. You know, you take it, bunch of cilantro and juice it and drink about uh, one and a half ounce to two ounces a day. Not much. Mm -hmm. For pretty much about a month or two. And then you you feel that metal coming out of you. And cilantro has an enzyme that bonds with heavy metals and take it out of your system. Yeah, and I have a, a Instagram reel about the cilantro, so you can go back, but that's where I learned it from. And I remember I had a... Um, I was suffering from some heavy metals last year, I remember, and uh, I know you got mad at me <laughs> for, for that experience. Um, it was when I I did not get, get Botox, but they had put like a cream on my face. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. I know. And so anyways, I didn't end up going through the treatment because I felt so weird just from like the numbing cream and it was um, heavy metal poisoning. So I had to do a lot of cilantro. Um, but okay. So the cilantro for heavy metals, anise, thyme, and basil for the anise seed. Okay. Thyme and basil. You can uh, make teas out, mix them, and make tea out of it, or you can do as a uh, like a humidifier. Okay. Make the tea and uh, breathe it in. So make the tea and pour the tea in the humidifier. Yeah. Okay. Quick pause, because what would this podcast be without me sharing about the benefits of my very own digestive support plant-based protein powder by New Zest? If you don't know, I co-created the digestive support product by New Zest back in 2018, and it's been a top seller ever since. Why? Because I wanted to create an easy-to-digest protein powder without stevia or fake sweeteners without gums, and without flavorings, commonly found in other vegan protein powders. Not just found in protein powders, but also so-called gut support products. And these gums and additives can actually cause digestive upsets. With my protein powder, you'll find only clean, real, simple ingredients 
And I chose to add a specific probiotic known to fight off candida and help the gut specifically. This probiotic is so strong, it does not need refrigeration. And since it doesn't need refrigeration, it can also survive your body's temperature, ensuring it survives once it gets down into your belly so it can start doing its job. You'll also find L-glutamine, which has been shown to help and heal seal the gut, heal and seal the gut. Um, Now, this is super important because the gut lining, obviously you don't want things leaking out. You don't want things seeping in. So L-glutamine can help restore the gut lining, resulting in an overall healthy and happy core. And we all know gut health is so important that health just starts in the gut. My digestive support protein is glyphosate-free and contains no gluten, grains, or lectins. It's vegan, paleo, and keto-friendly, as well as suitable for those on a candida or diabetic diet. If you want to grab a tub and start your journey to a healthier and happier gut and ultimately happier life, go to newsest.usa slash digest for a discount. That's N-U-Z-E-S-T dot U-S-A slash digest. This offer expires soon, so take advantage while you can. Um, Now, what about Lyme disease? Because I did actually have a quite, a lot of people asking, you know, what's a good treatment for Lyme that you found? Well, Lyme disease, it is a very difficult thing to treat and, uh, there are person-to-person requirements different. Mm-hmm. It depends on your uh, how the biochemistry is running. So in a Lyme disease, you have to be with someone who understands biochemistry of human being and figure out where your hormones are and where your everything is, and then from there start. Uh, you know, in Lyme disease, the best, defense is to your own immunity to get strong enough to fight it. And there is one thing that right now trends a lot is a, a bee sting. They put bee, uh, bees on you and sting you and then, yeah, it's not a, I don't, I don't know how, how the experience would be, but I heard that it helps people. So mm-hmm. I haven't tried it. I tried Lyme disease, uh, but my patients and we had success, but it doesn't happen immediately. It takes somewhere close to about six months to a year to treat something and get mm-hmm. get some. Uh, I remember with Lyme disease, like a bunch of other diseases, you cannot treat it. You just put it in remission. Okay, so is it curable or it's just a remission? As of, as of today, no, it's not curable. Okay. They just put it in, in a remission. Unless, you know, as I say, uh, this is my knowledge of it, and uh, some doctors claim that they can cure it, but I yet to see the result. Yeah, well, hey, you know what? I say anything's possible with prayer, you know? So, yep. That's my take on it. Uh, um, ulcers. What can you take for stomach ulcers? Well, stomach ulcers, uh, very, very first thing you have to do is pro- uh, make your diet right. Ulcers have many different uh, 
origination, you've got to find out why. Either you have problem with bacteria, or you have problem with stress. Stress. You have problem yeah. with overeating. You have problem with indigestion. Mm-hmm. You have to as acid reflux. Uh, there's a ton of it. First, you have to figure out what is wrong, fix it, and then deal with the ulcer. If you know, uh, people ask me a lot of this this type of question. I always say, look at a house on fire. You cannot think about the interior design until you put the fire out and fix the house, and then the interior design comes. Also, it's much like that. First, you got to find what causes the ulcer. Eliminate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's and, different causes. Uh, you know, uh, let's say if you have a, a cut on your hand and you keep irritating it, it never gets better. It doesn't matter. If, uh, you put antibiotic and all that things and you know, trying to keep it clean and uh, help, but every so often uh, grab your nail and start pulling this gap off and play with it, it never gets better. So first you have to let stop all things that causes the problem. Ulcers, you know, bubbly waters, sugar. Yeah, so what are what are some ulcer, what are some irritating things, despite the cause, what can irritate an ulcer? Uh, what can irritate an ulcer usually is, uh, mostly is caffeine. Caffeine. Uh, then it is uh, like uh, carbonated drinks, especially carbonated drinks with sugar. Mm-hmm. And very acidic food. Uh, and also uh, anything that uh, stimulates the acid in your body too much. Okay. So you have to slow down acid reflux and things like that. So. There is a, uh, first, with, uh, with that, first find the cause, what it is, and then eliminate the cause, and then you, you can also, it will heal itself if you eliminate the cause. Yeah, our bodies are so amazing that they can, but we have to also kind of help it along there too. Yes. You know, uh, you can't continue your lifestyle and I said, I'm going to uh, fix the ulcer with this and then fix it and then lifestyle stays the same. Yeah. Ulcer will reappear because you you didn't remove the causing agent. Yeah, if you have the same habits, then yeah. yeah. So we have a lot of people asking about parasites too. So uh, what what's a good protocol if you have parasites? Well, uh, first of all, you have to figure out what kind of a parasites you have. Most parasites uh, are attached to your intestines and take your your nutrition. Uh, so it would uh, you know it would help to find out what feeds the parasite. Usually, sugar, and also first starve them, and then uh, there's a lot of herbs out there: uh, black walnut, woodworm. And uh, aloe vera would hope. There's a lot of things that you can do. It still depends what kind of parasites you have. Mm -hmm. You know, what kind of a worm? Is it tapeworm? Is it uh, uh, those little nasty long worms? I had a a long worm myself, and this was many, many years ago, and I was very, very, very skin and bones, and just, I'm sure you remember. And... uh, I think I had every parasite in the world. I don't know. This was a bad 
experience. But um, also, uh, you know, you have to like anything else. You have to find out where the parasites come. The parasites usually come from unwashed vegetables. You don't wash it very well. Uh, usually, uh, undercooked pork. Mm-hmm. They cause so uh, first find out where the origination of parasites could be, then eliminate the fire, then take right. care of the rest of it. Well, that's one reason I just don't eat pork at all in general. I don't. It's just something. I don't for either. Me. Yeah. Uh, what about sushi? Like, could parasites be? There are parasites in sushi, but if you get from a go sushi to a reputable sushi place. You know, a good restaurant, they usually, a good sushi chef knows if what is good to put out, what's not. And uh, a lot of times what they do with the sushi is uh, they rapid freeze the fish to kill all the parasites. They rapid freeze it. When they catch it, they rapid freeze it. And then they, when they get it to the sushi place, they defrost it and then... Mm, so freezing, because freezing uh, seafood kills parasites. No, that, that's their theory, and it is not just freezing it; it's a rapid freeze. Okay, so when you buy, let's just say you get frozen uh, salmon or frozen shrimp at Costco, yeah, can is it safe to say it's been frozen for a while? Is it safe to say that's good for par- no no parasites? <sighs> it it is. Safer to do that than uh, go grab a salmon out of the ocean and ride on the boat and start cutting it. And what you know, you need to have an eye. The reason they cut the sushi so thin because they can see the parasites if there is in there. All right, okay. Um, now I think we got off a tangent here, but um, so just to go back, so black walnut um, is good and woodworm, you know, there's a uh, uh, the black walnut husk, woodworm, and there's uh, some other stuff. You know, uh, there's a lot of uh, information available. You know, you can go to a, a herbal stores mm-hmm. and start looking and asking, and they yeah. they do have things that they can help you. It's an intense cleanse, and to starve off the parasite too, you, do you have to go on like a keto low sugar diet? Well, or? you go on a low sugar. And you you don't overeat, you know. Okay. You know, if you eat and then at the end of the, your meal you got a good dessert and you're actually having those parasites praying for you, thanking you for <laughs> feeding them. Well, what about someone that feels like they have to overeat because they're not getting the nutrition because the parasite's eating what they're eating? Okay. Uh, <sighs> parasites are... Uh, sort of like they, they never satisfy. So the more you feed, the more they eat. So you, you can't eat extra for yourself. No, they, they are there. So uh, if you have parasites and you know you have parasites, the very first thing is to deal with the parasites mm-hmm. and start eating uh, more of a food uh, that it, it doesn't feed the parasites, like... Low sugar diet. Low sugar, just lean meats and vegetables, mm-hmm. even fruits you'd want to stay away from. Yeah. And if you do vegetables, you got to get the vegetables really cleaned up before you do that. And a lot of times, you know, uh, the protein powder you have 
I would help because they're not interested in things like that. <laughs> My protein powder? Yeah. Yeah. That That's a help. shameless plug. Yeah. All right. <laughs> So that was a very popular question about parasites. I know we could probably even have a whole episode about that, but someone asked about coffee enemas. Like they want your opinion. What is your, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, cause that could be actually a parasite protocol. No. First of all, if you do coffee enema, coffee enema shows a lot of uh, good results, especially with cancer patients. Okay. Uh, but please, please, please make sure your coffee is cold enough. <laughs> <laughs> No hot coffee, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got many patients that they uh, had hot coffee and then they had a little bit of a trauma down there. Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> that said, okay. Um, what can conf- what are some benefits of coffee enemas? Uh, you know, coffee is a, sort of like a, a stimulant. Mm-hmm. So when you do coffee enema, it, it stimulates the lower intestine into more peristalsis, so... You purge more. And if you were to recommend that, I mean, obviously you wouldn't want to do that all the time, right? Mm, I will not recommend that unless I know someone has a problem that that coffee enema would help. See, uh, there's one thing uh, that you have to understand. Uh, a lot of things are good for a lot of different things. But if you don't need it, and if you do it, then you actually harm yourself. Right. So you have to make sure that it is needed before you do any of these things. You know, uh, if you have a good, uh, no problem in the lower uh, intestines and things like that, and you do a coffee enema, and then you start getting uncontrollable diarrhea, Mm -hmm. then you lose a lot of water, you lose electrolyte, you may go to the shock. So you have to always understand if you do coffee enema, you got to make sure that you have uh, enough water, enough uh, electrolytes, so you don't mess up your body chemistry. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, water is good. Water gives you life. But if I drop you in an ocean and put your head under the water, you drown. Yeah. So too much of a good thing is not a good thing either. So you need to know where and why you need it. Mm-hmm. So you have to have a reason, basically. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. Um, how to increase energy naturally and balance your hormones? I feel like that's two separate questions, but that's two separate questions. Naturally, for uh, increasing energy, uh, are things that uh, pretty much uh, they're not. Your wheatgrass butter. Wheatgrass. Known to give people a little boost. Uh, Brown seaweed extract. Known to give people a little boost. Uh, Balancing hormones also is a very uh, tricky question. Mm. So uh, you want to balance it from high estrogen to low estrogen or high progesterone, high progesterone to low progesterone, or your testosterone is off the balance. So first you have to figure out what is off balance. You know, you know, uh, I see this a lot of uh, acupuncturists or uh, holistic doctors look at someone and say, oh, your hormones are unbalanced. Mm-hmm. And they all have the same solution. Hand you something and say, take this. Mm-hmm. There's not a one size fits all to balance. Exactly, hormones. because yeah. you know, if your 
if your estrogen is high and uh, I give you, I say, let's, let's take some blueberry or fennel and something like that, estrogen goes higher. Okay, so blueberry and fennel for... Well, um, fennel, I'm just saying what? that, uh, you know, fennel actually uh, helps with the uh, more of it balancers. Uh, fennel is, fennel creek is really good to help balancing the hormones. But again, you got to figure out what you need and how you need it. You know, milk so it cleans it the liver and all that thing. But again, balance works with your hormones too. You have to figure out everything that you take, what has an effect on your hormone. Uh, you know, a uh, human being has a very complicated biochemistry. More complicated is woman. <laughs> because in the guys, we only deal with testosterone. In women, it's estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, luteinizing hormone. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> you're in a bottle of chemistry there, so it's pretty We have to... a little more excuse to be uh, yeah. when so we say we're hormonal. First, you have to figure yeah. out what it needs to be balanced, and then after that, you start balancing it. Okay. Um, speaking of hormones, uh, what would you say to someone that's trying to maybe get their period back? Usually, uh, period, uh, if it goes away, there's a reason for it. Mm-hmm. Again, uh, people that they over-exercise, anaerobic exercises, they lose their period. Mm-hmm. People that they are very tiny, they usually lose their period. So... In here, you're going to understand that one thing in common is the amount of the fat is in their body. Mm-hmm. So a woman has to have a certain amount of fat to get their period back. Well, they have to have a certain amount of fat to have a sort of like a, uh, you know, your all your hormones are based as a lipoprotein, means fat and protein. So if you don't have enough fat, you have a lot of protein, you don't make the hormone. Mm-hmm. You don't get the period. Period comes and goes because your hormones are needs to be balanced. And vice versa too. Like if you have maybe a lot of fat, but there's not a lot of protein. Exactly. You have to, as I say, you have to get a balanced diet. Yeah. And also sometimes the period goes away because of the some stress in your life. And sometimes it's age-related, genetic. Mm-hmm. So again... There's uh, something that you need to have someone to look at you carefully. For women, usually the uh, things that are very helpful is guava, sweet potato, uh, loquats, pineapple. These are all helpful with your period. Sweet potato, guava, pineapple. Loquats. Loquats. What about uh, papaya? Papaya is not for the uh, hormones. Papaya is mainly for digestion. Okay. Um, Speaking of periods, though, uh, someone was also asking, I guess they get periods like twice a month, so there's like too much. Yes, uh, that's very common. Again, there is reasons for that, and you have to uh, figure out. Sometimes it's due to stress. Sometimes it's there are... Uh, doing something in excess that causes the period to come back. Mm. You got to figure it out. I'm telling you, stress, <laughs> it causes a lot of different things. Stress is the mother of all diseases. 
it's yeah speaking from experience it's crazy and it's crazy how the mind can really affect how your body reacts how your body feels well your brain one of the things it does it makes a lot of dipeptides that dipeptides in your body it can turn into any hormone wait say that can you say that again i want people to really your brain produces things called dipeptide dipeptides yeah the, the, and they uh, mix and match and makes different things in your body, stress hormone and th- things like that. So you have to, you know, that's why I tell calming, meditation, energy work, things like that will really turn your life around. I'm personally trying to calm myself down. I know you've been telling me that for a while. You know, I, I know you're looking at me right now and uh, you're, he's, this, this man is like a father to me. He is just, uh, I could go on and on, but anyways, um, what are your favorite, re- uh, favorite nutritional remedies for an upset stomach? My favorite, when I get upset stomach, I put about a, uh, a teaspoon of uh, baking soda in about in a one and a half ounces of water, mix it start sipping it, not drink it all at the time, sip it, sip it, sip it for a few times, and that let it drain, goes down your throat all the way down so it clears all the acid. It neutralizes the acid. It neutralizes the acid so it helps to calm you down. Okay, what is, can you tell me one more time what the measurements are? Uh, it's, uh, what I use is a teaspoon of a baking soda in about one and a half ounces of water. One and a half ounces of water. Yeah. When I was healing from my severe digestive issues, I made a special digestive boost. Drink every five days and drink it every morning to help my stomach work again. This drink truly helped me and I talk about it in my book, Digest This, but it was a lot of work. I was so ill, I couldn't hold a job and my job was now to get myself well. I know many don't have the option to take off work to heal or perhaps just the time to make this digestive boost every week because it's pretty intensive. So I created my very own digestive enzymes made up of the same digestive enzymes found in the drink I was making. Now, if anyone is experiencing digestive issues or discomfort, it's easy to take these plant-based vegan capsules with a meal to help with optimum digestion. No need to chop, peel, blend, and freeze the different fruits I had to weekly. Now it's all in an easy capsule you can even open and pour over your food if you have difficulty swallowing pills. I know there's a lot of digestive enzymes on the market. So what makes these different than any other on the market is the fact that they only contain the enzymes you want and more of them. So it's super concentrated. No need to include 20 plus different ingredients where you may only be getting a small amount of each. I specifically chose these enzymes and wanted each pill packed with the most they could hold. There's no soy, gluten, gum, or silicone dioxide commonly found in many pills. None of the nasties, only the good stuff. If you want to grab a bottle or two or three, you can go to newsest.com 
nusa.com slash digest for a discount. That's n-u-z-e-s-t dash usa.com slash digest. Speaking of, this is actually not necessarily a question, but since you said sip the water, can you explain to everyone listening why it's so important to not chug water? Your body has two different types of blood vessels. Excuse my pronunciation, you know what I'm talking about, is vein and arteries. Mm-hmm. Uh, they cross each other and they called, that point called AV node. That's uh, is done, put in your body as a defense mechanism. Because when you drink, chalk the water, the water gets in your blood and the volume increase. The volume increase, those things start tapping and the kidneys draw the water and you excrete the water through urine. So actually what you're doing, you're recycling water. You're not getting in your body. But if you drink about sip the water, Mm -hmm. the volume doesn't increase that much. And the water gets into your tissues and do what it does have to do. And as you sip and sip and sip, the amount of the uh, water that comes back to the blood it would be high enough that it sets the kidney into function and get the, all the junk out of your body. Okay, so when you sip water, it gives your body the time to actually absorb the water. When you chug water, you're basically just, it's just flushing through you. Yeah, and you know, it's not just to absorb the water, but use the water in different things. Water is very important in your body. Uh, water it works as a cooling agent, it washes the body, and also is a, uh, one of the main ingredients to produce energy. So if you don't have if you don't have enough water in your body, you're weak, you're tired, you're groggy, and uh, you become sort of like uh, toxic. Yeah. So well. So there's the answer to another question. You know, uh, what do you do when you have low energy? Maybe you just need to drink water. Yeah. Or uh, uh, sip water. Sip water. Yeah, that's right. Sip water. Um, and then also about migraines too. Like I know if if you don't have enough water. Well, migraine also uh, have a lot of uh, you know etiology. Uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, everyone get a headache. Uh, they they diagnose it with migraine. You got migraine. You got migraine. Uh, migraine has its own set of uh, signs and symptoms. Uh, and it's not just a headache. It is a, it's a complicated thing. You get a headache, it could be muscular. Mm-hmm. One of the things to avoid headache is get your head out of your cell phone. Bending over and texting and texting, texting. See how much your head weighs, your skull. Your uh, muscles in your neck are responsible to keep your head attached to your body. So when you bend your head forward, you put in a lot of stress on those muscles and eventually it's just like doing any exercise. They get tired and they get cranky. And they, and then it goes into the whole web into the head, which it causes tension in the head, which causes pain. 
and people think that. And then uh, there's another headache because of your eyes are not good enough. Mm. You cannot accommodate very well. You strain it, and usually that is a forehead pain, and then your sinuses could be bad. So, you know, migraine is a, uh, to me, when I look at my patients that they come and they say, I have migraine, uh, nine out of 10 don't have migraine. What do they have? They have something else going on. They have something else that they're not, uh, not, not being diagnosed with, and they have the headache because of that. And then, uh, you know, a lot of doctors, uh, it's simple to say, oh, you got a migraine, take this pill and go home. And uh, people become, you know, take, take a pain pill and they eventually become dependent on it. Yeah, and it's like taking like an Advil or something and they're not doing anything different. They're still on their phone. They're still straining mm-hmm. their eyes. Again, they're not putting the fire out. Speaking of migraines, I know that depending on where the, the migraine or the pain is, right, front of your head, back of your head, that is a signal of different causes? Uh, yes. There's always where the pain is. It's a different, if a lot of times it's, it's your side of your, uh, it's in your temples, look at your TMJ. You may have a TMJ problem. Mm. Uh, if it is a back of your head, uh, look at your posture, look at your eyesight. As I uh, <laughs> straighten up in my chair right now. <laughs> All right. Um, so someone asked, um, how to get rid of chronic sinus infections? Wow. These are good questions. Okay. What is causing your chronic sinus infection? Find a cause. And then also one of the things that will help is hot chamomile compress on the face that will help to drain the sinuses into your... And then when you do that, uh, again, make sure you don't burn yourself. Yeah, yeah. And so that, that, that usually drains down your throat and spit it out. Don't, don't take it in because they usually are not pleasant on your stomach. <laughs> okay, so a chamomile compress, which I know you've told me to do and I, I've done it before, is I basically, you know, make a tea, chamomile tea, regular chamomile tea, get a, a washcloth, soak the washcloth in the tea, make sure it's not hot, and then put the compress over my sinuses. Yeah. Correct? Yes. Okay. I'm all making sure. I'm like, have I been doing it wrong this whole time? Oh, you're good. <laughs> okay. Um, and then also like salt, uh, gargling with salt water? Gargling with salt water and also what uh, we're doing that will help a lot you make uh, pink salt, we'll make it uh, salt water and put it in your hand and snort it real hard to go through your nose and your back your throat and spit it out. Oh, that sounds rough. No, <laughs> no. Actually, uh, I just had a patient with the COVID and I, we did that and uh, overnight she felt 100% better. Wow. Well, hey, if it, it'll help with that, then I'm all down. You know me. What about, someone asked, what's your opinion on alcohol? Like, how do you feel about it? And what does it do to us once it enters our system? Okay. Uh, the question of alcohol has been an interesting question. Uh, alcohol, like any other thing, it has its own benefit, but it has its downfall. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, uh, if I have someone that really they want to be social and all that thing, I I would say only three and a half ounces of uh, wine. Tequila? Oh, <laughs> just <enough. kidding. laughs> 
no Wine. more than that. Mm-hmm. I don't endorse any hard liquor or yeah. beer, especially not for women with the beer because they have a tendency to get beer belly really quick. A beer belly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, but alcohol in general uh, are the main causes of uh, liver problem, pancreatic problem. They uh, are known uh, to be uh, associated with pancreatic cancer or hepatic cancer. So drinking alcohol, even though it makes your friends like you more, but your body doesn't like you. Yeah, well, and I've always said too, you know, if your friends aren't going to be around you because you're not drinking alcohol, they're not your true friends. And also uh, the hangover next day, mm-hmm. you know, when you have a headache, when you have something like that as a result of alcohol or something like that, it's telling you that you're doing something wrong. Yeah. You're doing something wrong with your body. So if you do anything that the next day you have to pay for it, yeah, you know you have done damage something. Completely agree. And speaking of uh, liver, um, if someone is suffering from liver damage, or is there anything to help with that? Well, usually out there they they have milk thistle, milk thistle, and okay. usually things that cool the liver down, like berries and watermelon things like that. It will help. Stay away from things that really. Uh, agitate the liver like hot peppers okay. again alcohol caffeine caffeine actually is good for liver but the method of delivery hot coffee is not good okay unless you have asthma that's good for asthma <laughs> so it, it's you know it, it, things are but uh, uh, to me nothing hot is good temperature wise okay. because uh, it can cause uh, irritation to your throat, and and as a result, it can cause cancer. Mm-hmm. So really hot and really cold, anything that your body uh, gets a little bit upset about it. So ideally you want to have like a room temperature. Usually, yeah, I, I drink my, uh, all my drinks room temperature, even my coffee. Yeah, okay. Um, and ooh, what about for those that love ice cream? Oh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good thing. Oh, well, you when you have ice cream and you finish ice cream, uh, always follow up with uh, about two, three ounces of room temperature water oh. to balance your temperature immediately. Good tip. You did mention something about cooling foods like berries, watermelon. Um, what are some warming, because is it true that bananas are a Technically a warming food? Bananas are warming food, chocolates are warming food, peppers are warm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're not, you're, I mean, I want to be... Eggs are cl- warm. Eggs are I want to be clear that we're not necessarily talking about the temperature of the food. No, 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 no. They, you know, some, some food, uh, the concept of yin and yang, <laughs> you know, some foods are naturally cool. Usually when you say cool or hot... It, we refer to the liver. These things have the tendency to make the liver hotter or cooler. Because liver is one of the hottest organs in your body. And it functions on a higher level of temperature, that internal temperature. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, you, but sometimes it gets too hot 
especially when you drink a lot of alcohol and you get like a mm, psoriasis of liver. So you need to cool the liver down, help the liver going forward. These are all, as I say, these are all suggestions and you have to figure out exactly what's wrong to do the right thing. You know, you can't arbitrarily say, okay, if I have a pimple, my liver is hot and I'm going to do this. Uh, pimples have it, a lot of different things. It could be a hormone, it could be a bacterial infection, it could be liver, it could, it could be. So you see, there's different reasons for things. You can't just look at symptoms and say, okay, this associates with this, I'm going to take care of this. I'm, I'm, I actually have to admit, I'm very, uh, I'm sometimes can be a little bit of a hypochondriac and I'm, I'm, I've gotten better. I feel like, uh, I know you're smiling, but I'm like, oh, like, you know, I have diarrhea or something. And like, I don't necessarily mean that I'm sick. Maybe I ate something bad. Maybe my body's just cleansing or I don't know. Well, you know, uh, fever, diarrhea, throwing up is a response to something in your body is dealing with. That's your natural defense. Yeah. But if you let the fever go beyond certain degrees, uh, that affects your brain. So you have to be careful. A lot of doctors, uh, you have 100 degree, so just let it light. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, some people, because, you know, one of the things that our medical system is set up is set up according to the patient. Because when the patient come and had urgency with, oh, I got fever, I got a headache, I, I don't want to deal with it. And they then they hand you a prescription. But if you really go to the doctor and say, I got a fever and I got a headache, what do I do? And they look at you and say, okay, you can write it off, you can go rest and get it over with. Well, no, I got to go to work. Okay, then take this. Mm. See, this is this is what thing you can naturally help yourself, or you can depend on drugs for the rest of your life. <sighs> Wisdom here. All right, so um, let's talk about UTIs, uh, reoccurring UTIs specifically. What what if someone has UTIs on the regular? Like, what what do they do? Then they're doing something wrong. <laughs> okay, they're yeah. doing something wrong. They they uh, reinfecting themselves. And then they have to look at their immunity. Is their immunity strong enough to fight off the... Uh, and then they have to see uh, if, if someone gets a regular UTI, I would ask them to have their urine cultured to figure out what kind of bacteria is causing the UTI. And see, and when you find what kind of bacteria, then you find out what that bacteria, where that bacteria come from. A lot of times uh, you need to make sure your sex partner is not one to transmit to you. Mm -hmm. uh, one, one of the things I ask everyone, all my patients to do, I say at least once a, once a day at the end of the day before you go to bed, you have a little bit of it, uh, you know, water with a little bit of baking soda and wash yourself really well. That uh, alkalinize the area which it kills bacteria. Okay. So you you need to good hygiene. Always yeah. good hygiene is the very first step to cure mm, about ninety nine percent of your bacterial problem. 
Okay, so hygiene, and then obviously sugar feeds that. Sugar, uh, sugar feeds anything. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about sugar while we're on the subject. So, sugar versus sugar in fruit. Um, how do you feel about all of that? I'm going to tell you this. Your body uh, requires a certain amount of sugar. No more. The more you give it to it, and the more it's going to go into, t- take you into diabetic, or take, it feeds precancerous cell, it, it, uh, all these things. So diabetes, precancer, or cancer, or all these things are being fed with uh, sugar and makes it worse and worse and worse. So uh, people say, oh, I don't want to eat watermelon because it has sugar, but I'm going to go have a smoothie that has a ton of sugar in it. I don't want to eat oranges that's good for me because it has a lot of sugar, but I don't mind to have a chocolate bar. Or they go drink alcohol. Well, drink alcohol or go sit down in ice cream or have a big piece of dessert. Yeah. You know, one thing I love the most is in a dessert is uh, cheesecake. So, how do I eat cheesecake? You see the triangular? Uh, the pre-sliced triangle. Yeah, pre-sliced. Uh-huh. I measure one inch from the tip and I cut it off. That's my portion of cheesecake. That's it. The rest goes away. Wow. I put it in my mouth and I sort of put, put it on my tongue and push it on the roof of my mouth and let it, I get the flavor, I get the smell, mm-hmm. I get the satisfaction, I'm done. Yeah, I, honestly, I have to say that's true. Uh, and I've done that before with other types of desserts and uh, I either am satisfied and I don't want more or after I have that one bite, I immediately get a sugar rush and I'm like, whoa, okay, no more. I eat cheesecake once every three months. And that's something I love the most. Mm. But on the other hand, I love to be alive to be able to eat <laughs> once in three months my cheesecake. Good point. Good point. Um, all right. And then what do you? how do you feel about carbs and converting to sugar and all that? Carbs are sugar. The, uh, you know, uh, you do uh, your... Regular uh, sugar, white sugar, mm-hmm. which is the worst thing for you. Okay, of course. Uh, because it's a pure calorie and heat your body immediately. And that's why your sugar level goes up really quick and the uh, pancreas has to produce a lot of insulin to take care of that. Well, complex carb, like rice, potatoes, things like that. Rice, potatoes. It takes time for them to digest. Sugar does not work in your body unless it turns into glucose. Glucose is one bond. Mm-hmm. Complex carbs, let's say you take it, uh, rice, rice is about six or seven glucose attached to it. These things need to be break down to single one. So it takes time. Okay. So it goes slowly, goes slowly, goes slowly. So that, uh, but... If you eat a lot of rice, a lot of two potatoes, a lot of this, then suddenly uh, one piece digests here, one piece digests here, and then suddenly you get the sugar rush. So you have to always have your measurement right. And a measurement of rice, potatoes, and things like that all depends on your body weight and body size. 
mm-hmm. your what you need, and that's that's a, something that someone has to evaluate for you. What's a trick when you're looking at your hand? Well, first of all, you do not mix carbs. You don't do rice and bread, and then uh, uh, potato and bread, banana, and, uh, potato, and, uh, or and, uh, what? Yeah. So you do either bread or pasta or rice or so you should, should you only have one carb per meal? Like yes. one type of? Okay. Yes. Uh, then, uh, you know, for example, if uh, for one major meal that you have, dinner, for example, two of those little uh, long potatoes is enough. Those little two tiny potatoes. Th- those little uh, red potatoes that are about the size of a ping pong ball. Ping pong ball, potato size. Yeah, that's two of them is enough. Two is good. Okay. Or uh, you know you do a quarter of baked potato. That's the same thing. Not the whole baked potato. A quarter of it. A quarter of the baked potato. Uh, uh, if you uh, make your hand sort of like a cup it. Cup your what, hand. What it uh, fits in there in a rice, that's good for one meal. If you put your hand open, the size of your hand, the bread. These are the, you know, these are old, old way that they were measuring how much you can eat. But then again, it this is a rule of thumb, but uh, everybody has different needs. And if you... Uh, Exercising a lot and you're using more energy, you need more. Yeah. If you're couch potato, you need a lot less. Okay. Um, and then also, speaking of fruit, because fruit is sugar, it's also a carb, but it's also good for you. Yes. Uh, again, you know, this is where you say, I take this, I don't take that, I do this. Or that. For example, if you're eating about uh, three servings of the fruits, you know, uh, about five cherries or... Uh, five strawberries. That's that's good. pretty much one serving. Uh, you do something like that, then you cut down on your cheesecake. <laughs> right. So you gotta the, for the whole day. You gotta kind of or even the you whole gotta, week. Uh, yeah. You gotta look at what kind. Sugar is sugar. Uh, it's a fructose or glucose or whatever. Even honey. You know. uh, even honey. They are all sugar. It doesn't mean if this is natural is uh, I can right. do too much of it. No, everything has a limit. And you do a limit. And also, just be present with your body. Yeah. When you overeat, you know you, yeah. you messed up. Then next time, lower it down. Your body is a very good teacher to you if you listen to it. But if you're just, you know, trying to get me to tell you what to do, sure. I tell you what to do, but then you say, oh, no, that's too strict, too rough. I can't do that because I want to have fun. I'm young. I want to go do this and I'm going to do that. And Well, you know, sometimes too, my body, I can tell a certain certain days my body craves more fruit and other days my body craves more fats or okay. whatever. You brought a good, good thing out there. There is a difference between craving and addiction. Craving has a satisfactory point. Mm-hmm. When you eat something... The moment you stop tasting, you know, even sugar, the moment you start, you're not tasting it anymore. It's not sweet anymore. Your brain says, stop, I had enough. Mm -hmm. That's craving and satisfying craving. Craving has an end to it. Addiction has no end to it. 
People are addicted to chocolate, and they keep eating chocolate and eating chocolate and eating chocolate, and they say, "Oh, I crave chocolate." No, you're addicted to chocolate. Mm-hmm. Or like those Doritos chips. I know they make them specifically so you are addicted to them. The yeah. chemicals in there. Yeah. It's yeah. It's ridiculous. Um, and I know we, we. I keep asking about fruit, but this is probably a good thing. So you you were saying one carb in a in a meal. Can you can you mix your fruits? Is fruit considered part of that? You know, yes. There's a lot of school of thought out there. I don't say this is right. That's wrong. This is this. This is right. I do what it works for me. Mm-hmm. And I tell my patients, let's do what it works for you. Okay, so someone asked about how to increase white blood cells in your body. Ah, oh, that's, a, that's a very tough question. Uh, again, white blood cells have many different white blood cells. You have leukocyte, lymphocyte, you got basophil, acetophil, all these things considered to be white blood cells. And then uh, which one is low? Which one you need to increase? And usually, usually uh, one of, uh, anything that stimulates your bone marrow uh, that would help uh, increase uh, blood cells. But then you have to figure out how to stimulate the bone marrow. And that's also it's different from one person to another person. Uh, usually kidneys, uh, adrenal gland and all that, uh, they are very involved in stimulation of your uh, balance in your body. So you need to make sure your adrenal glands are functioning very well. And uh, things that I find out that they hope with my cancer patients with the blood, uh, that they, uh, when they uh, go through chemotherapy, they, the whole blood profile drops and we need to bring it back up the best thing is pistachio nuts. Raw pistachio, not salted, not roasted, raw pistachio. You eat 10 a day with one full glass of water. That usually was been very promising with my patients. Uh, again, uh, a good diet with good protein. Uh, you know, if you look at the bone, you want to do something with the bone marrow? Mm-hmm. Look at bone broth. Okay. If you want to do something with, uh, you know, blood or things like that, look at things that have iron in it. So just figure out what is the principal uh, part of your body that you want to stimulate, mm-hmm. and then that's what you know. Your all your blood cells and uh, blood are uh, initiate at bone marrow. That's responsible for making blood cells. Your spleen would take the iron and then send it back. There's a very complicated situation in your body. So you need to understand that which part is going to help what, then make that part work well. I love that you're such an advocate for being your own health advocate. You know, I, I love that about you, that you want people to be independent. You know? Well, the thing is, a lot of people say, oh, I find my dream doctor. He's, he gets me. He is that. Yeah. When, but if you depend on that, we never know what happened. Tonight, I, I have a lot of patients that depend on me. 
that I try to make him independent. Tonight I go to bed, maybe I don't get up tomorrow. Then what happened to you? So if, if you listen to me through the education part of it, because I don't treat, I educate. Mm-hmm. I let you treat yourself. I educate. And sometimes, well, in my education, I yell at you. He's yelled at me quite a few times. He's laughing at me right now as we sit across the table. But let me tell you, a lot of my knowledge and what I know has come from this man. And um, I'm just so grateful for you. And just kind of quickly going back to the white blood cells, he, I, I was experiencing low white blood cells about a couple years ago. And he also told me to do the same thing, eat 10 raw pistachios every single day with a cup of water. I did that and I got tested before and after. I got a blood work done and my white blood cells just went up like crazy. So just speaking from experience, it does work. Um, all right, last question here. Thank you so much for your time. What is <laughs> What could be the best health advice you could give someone? The best health advice is to listen to your body. Mm. And do not get panicked when symptoms appear. Because when you get panicked, it would be a rabbit hole. And you never get out of it. So first something happened, you say, okay, this is what happened. What did I do yesterday or last week that may contribute to this? What did I do differently? What did I eat differently? What my emotion was differently? Mm-hmm. What what happened? See what happened. And that's a very difficult thing. But if you practice, uh, for people that they have sort of like, uh, they are uh, very stubborn in admitting that they did something wrong, I say write down everything you do every day. Journal it. And then if something is different, put a marker on it. Circle it. And if anything happens in about a week or 10 days later, go back to that. See if there's a correlation. Mm -hmm. That will help help you a lot to figure out, you know, uh, things that happen, it can be cured. But if you don't know why it happens, it can happen again. Great advice. Not only keeping a food journal, keeping a stress journal. Everything. What happened at work, like everything. Yeah. Everything. I need to be better at that as uh, myself. So that's such great advice. Listen to your body. Don't panic when things happen and know that, you know, you can figure it out if you kind of address the issue there. Yes. Mm. Well, thank you so much, Mohammed. You're welcome. Is there anything you want to add? Well, I just want to say be healthy, be happy. And remember, every minute of your life is valuable and it's not retrievable. So don't live in regret. Beautiful. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Digest This. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review in your podcast app to let us know. If you're ever wondering how you can support me and this podcast, sharing it with your friends and family is the best way. This is a resonant media production produced by Drake Peterson and edited by Chris McCone. To email the show, message us at digestthispod at gmail.com. See you next time. The content of this show is for educational and informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for individual medical and mental health advice and does not constitute a provider-patient relationship. As always, talk to your doctor or health team first.